Hello, welcome today. Thank you for joining us. I'm Dwayne McCurry, the team leader for Adult Explore the Bible, and I'm being joined by David Briscoe, who's one of the content editors for the Adult Explore the Bible team. David, thank you for being with us today. Hi, Dwayne. Uh, session 10, uh, we look at Deuteronomy 6. It's part of the second ad address by Moses recorded in Deuteronomy. Uh, chapter 5, he, he's revisited the Ten Commandments, and now he's going to look at ways of demonstrating love for God. Um, the, the summary statement is that loving God with all of one's being leads to obedience, and that's the focus of everything we're looking at here. One thing I would point out uh, is in pack item, on pack item 5 and 10, uh, we have a, a resource, a, a, a sheet, a handout. One of the set, uh, pack 10 is a handout. Item 10 is a handout that looks at quotes of Jesus in, from the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, the Deut book of Deuteronomy is the second most quoted book by Jesus. Psalms is the first, uh, but Deuteronomy is the second. And in uh, chapter 6, he will quote three of the verses. He will quote verses 4 and 5 of chapter 6, verses 13 of chapter 6, and verse 16 of chapter 6. One thing you may want to do is make copies of handout 10 to make it available to the folks in your group just to remind them of the importance of studying Deuteronomy simply because Jesus quoted from it so much. Uh, but in this passage, in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 6, Moses reminded the people that he taught them God's law so they could follow it once in the promised land. He identified four results of obeying the law, and that was the fear of God, enjoying a long life, prosperity, and inheriting a desired land. In verses 4 and 5, Moses then summarized the law in terms of loving God with all of one's being. He reminded the Israelites that God alone is Lord and there is no other. After he does that, he then directs the Israelites to proclaim the necessity of loving the one true God in their conversations with their children, with others along life's path, in their dress, and even in their architecture. He concludes this section, verses 10 through 13, by challenging the Israelites to continue to fear God after they take possession of the land. Boom. Okay. After they take possession, let me start. Moses concludes this section, verses 10 through 13, by challenging the Israelites to continue to fear God as they took possession of the land, structures, and farms that are in the promised land. That reminds us that we must continue to love God even in the good times. Now, now David, there's some issues that we see here in session 10 in these verses in Deuteronomy 6. A first thing that's going to, I think, going to surface is does this passage teach that obedience leads to prosperity? And if so, why or why not? Well, I'd say yes, but. <laughs> uh, Deuteronomy 6.3 reads this way, and this is the Christian Standard Bible, CSB. Listen, Israel, be careful to follow them, meaning the commands that God had given, so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, that's uh, that's a phrase that talks about the great resources that are available. Uh, but so often we, uh, we think about prosperity basically in terms 
of material wealth. And, uh, and so you can get a little uh, off track uh, that way. So the word that is rendered in the CSB as prosper uh, literally means to be good, to be well, to be glad, to be pleasing. Uh, so I would, I would note that the uh, translation in King James, for example, is uh, that it may be well with thee. And uh, in the ESV and the NIV, uh, very similar, so that it may go well with you. So This is a corporate promise, too. It, He's it talking is, to a group, not just an individual. Exactly. That is true. Uh, and, and yet individuals would uh, uh, participate in this. And so uh, I, I would say that the passage uh, certainly teaches that obedience leads to uh, blessing. A blessing may not always be in terms of material wealth, uh, but it definitely will be blessings. Uh, later on in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 28, verses 7 through 14, it outlines uh, some of the specific kinds of blessings that covenant obedience uh, br will bring to the people. That's, so, that's, ver that's 28? That's Deuteronomy 28, verses 7 to 14. 7 to, okay. Uh, and, and it's part of the covenant blessings. And so, uh, just to list uh, three or four of them, uh, there, your enemies will flee before you. Uh, you'll have a reputation of bearing the Lord's name. You'll have many offspring. Uh, heaven will open up. The storehouse of heaven will open up for rain for your crops. Uh, you'll be a lender and not a borrower. All of these are the specific kinds of blessings that uh, Moses in in those later in that later chapter uh, indicated. Uh, was a part of this promise that comes in Deuteronomy 6. Uh, so obedience to God's law does lead to prosperity in the best sense of that word, that you're going to be blessed by God. But it's not a guarantee of material wealth or a life that is free from all pain. You just have to think about Job, for example, uh, who was uh, wealthy and the greatest man in the East, and yet of the pain that he uh, endured and suffered in the loss of his uh, property and children. Uh, and you, then you think of Jesus' parables, uh, some of which uh, were condemning selfish wealth, the, the man who built greater barns because he had such an overflowing crop one year, and, and he just was thinking about himself and not that he could use uh, that uh, extra that the Lord had blessed him with uh, to bless the lives of others. So uh, prosperity, yes. Uh, blessing, absolutely yes, that comes from obedience. But it's not a magical way to get rich. God defines the blessing we don't get to. Exactly. Uh, in this, this particular section of Scripture, we see that God is one, how does this passage inform our understanding of the Trinity? <laughs> okay. That's a loaded question for well, you. It's a, good, it's a good question because we, we certainly want to, uh, to think about it and talk about it uh, because this, this great uh, passage called the Shema, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, uh, certainly emphasizes the oneness the absolute uniqueness, there's only one, only one true God. Uh, he revealed His name to Moses as Yahweh, the, the Lord. Uh, and so 
we we you know we we find in this passage uh, that God is one, and yet when we we come to the New Testament and we uh, find Jesus, the Son of God, uh, the one who when questioned by his, one of his disciples who said, uh, Jesus, show us the Father. And, uh, and you know, we'll, we'll believe. We'll, we'll, that's just what we want. We want to see the Father. And, and here's what Jesus said to him. said, uh, have I been with you so long and you don't, you don't know this? The Father and I are one. And then later Jesus talked about uh, the Spirit being uh, certainly a distinct person, but he said, my spirit, I will put my spirit on you. And so there is the unity as well. And so uh, Christians have, uh, have uh, through the understanding the scripture and through just the experience we have of God, uh, we know that there are three persons of the Godhead. Uh, the Baptist faith and message uh, talks about it in this way, the eternal triune God, meaning three persons, the eternal triune God reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with distinct personal attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being. One God, the three persons, and that, that essentially is the uh, uh, doctrine of the Trinity. It, it's nearly impossible for us to uh, define uh, the Trinity in using human language because human language is, is finite. It is, and yet we're talking about a God who is eternal uh, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's some things that, that the Bible teaches that we just have to accept and realize that we can't fully understand that, for example, for me, one of those things is God's unconditional love. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something that's foreign to us in our human experience, but one day we'll understand, uh, but not on this side of, of heaven. Uh, the practice of keeping Bible verses on the forehead, uh, what can we do today to demonstrate our love for God? Because you, you kind of have that idea that that's a way to demonstrate uh, one's love for God. Yeah, you're, you're talking about the phylacteries that uh, Jewish people some uh, still done today. Still, still wear those today, and so it's a little box with uh, scripture verses, key scripture verses that are uh, in that. So, um, well, I I would say that uh, you know I, I don't have a problem with with someone uh, keeping the scripture on them. Uh, you know. A New Testament in my uh, uh, smartphone. I, I have the Bible and uh, uh, many translations of the Bible. So uh, certainly we can keep the Bible uh, handy in that way. But uh, I, I would give five five ideas here about uh, keeping uh, demonstrating our love for God through uh, honoring His Word. And one would be to read it, to actually read it. You know, uh, to have to have scripture verses in a little box, a phylactery, but never read them, never think about them. Uh, you're just wearing a, a piece of jewelry. Uh, so read God's word, uh, but second, meditate on it, think about it, reflect on it.
Think about what it means to you. So go beyond just reading it, but uh, meditate on it. And here's a third one, memorize it. Uh, you know, take some of these key verses. And so um, the uh, psalmist said in Psalm 119, thy, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So memorizing God's word helps us at pivotal times to resist temptation or to obey the Lord. And that's the next one, to live it out, to read it, to meditate on God's word, to memorize it, but live it out, obey it. And then, uh, and this is where Deuteronomy 6 certainly comes into play as well, speaking to parents, teach it to your children. Teach your children uh, God's word uh, because you are their first teachers. So you have read, meditate, memorize, Live it out, act or act on it, and then teach it to your, your children, children and, and to others. Absolutely. We see that here, the, this idea of the, of the parents teaching their children. Um, the church obviously has a responsibility as well. How do we balance that? What, what role should the church play versus what role should the parents play? Well, uh, Psalm 127.3, uh, and this is in the Good News translation, uh, says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a real blessing. Okay, sometimes I know parents uh, may think otherwise, but uh, the scripture says children are a blessing of the Lord. They're a gift to you from the Lord. So what that means is that first of all, then parents are the natural and logical first teachers of a child. That's the first context in which teaching children about the Lord ought to take place there. So Certainly parents need to know the Lord, and they need to know the Lord's Word, God's Word, and then to teach that uh, to their children. Uh, and so you have in Deuteronomy 6, 7, uh, this very direct uh, command, repeat them, repeat those uh, verses that you have uh, read, memorized, meditated on, you're living it out, repeat them to your children. Uh, when you're sitting down, when you're standing up, and when you're uh, waking up, and when you're going to bed. Uh, so, now the question: Church, what role does the church have then? Well, here here it is. Remember that we said in an earlier session that the church is a, a family of God. It is the community of Christ. Uh, so, as a as a family, we have both the privilege, but also the responsibility. Uh, to come alongside parents, to help them uh, in teaching their children. Sometimes we can be like Sunday school teachers, Bible study leaders there. We can uh, help and assist parents in teaching their children the Scriptures and about God. Uh, it's not really one or the other. It's a partnership it's really, with both of them. Really both and. and. And not only helping the children, but here's another one. Uh, the church has the privilege and responsibility to e equip and encourage the parents in their parenting and in their uh, teaching their children about the Lord. Uh, so uh, there, there is that integrated both and uh, quality to that where the church is not, uh, does not usurp the role of the parents, and yet they come alongside, the church comes alongside and assists and encourages praise for uh, parents as they teach their children. Well, one thing that may be helpful is knowing that 
that LifeWay provides Bible study resources for all ages. Um, you can find out more about the Explore the Bible resources by going to LifeWay.com and forward slash Explore the Bible. You're going to find out that there are resources for preschoolers, kids, students, and adults uh, where they're all looking at uh, the, and studying Bible books. Uh, and so you can find out more information there. Uh, David, is there anything else you would share or want to highlight in session 10? I would, I would just remind, and I probably don't have to remind people of this, but uh, I would remind people that uh, Deuteronomy 6 is a key, key passage of, of the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus uh, looked, uh, called attention to Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6, the Shema, and said, this is the greatest commandment in the law. This is first. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself, he went on and added. Uh, but that first part of that, loving God, is right here in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Well, David, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. Next week, we'll be looking at session 11 and look forward to visiting with you then.